Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. With all due respect, I reject your theory completely. But you know what? There needs to be some backlash to this. This would be disastrous. There really has to be a better way. And I think the biggest question here is, what the hell is going on? The Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 414-799-1620. Move for present. Get in the race. Will he run? And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, Eric Bilstead, I think we are back from State Fair either just in time or a little bit too late. I'm sitting over in our radio programming department okay. a couple minutes ago, just getting getting ready for the show and things like that, when Mike Spaulding from our news department walks over, finds our executive producer, guy who produces Nick, who produces the mm-hmm. afternoon show, and then says, which Milwaukee brewer do you find most attractive? Huh? No, which one do you think is the best looking? At which point in time, all these various guys in the in the programming department for about five minutes start into this lengthy conversation about, and these are all guys, which Milwaukee brewer they find to be the most attractive, yeah. and not that there's anything wrong what with this. What was the consensus? Well, well, I, you know that I'm just kind of <laughs> listening to, it, and after a few minutes, it's kind of like. <laughs> You know, or, or maybe we should get, you know, and again, there's nothing wrong with this, but I'm thinking, huh, I mean, I, you know, I participate in all sorts of sports conversations, you know, who's the best pitcher, you know, should you bring this guy in in relief, all those types of things. Yeah. But, you know, listening to uh, all our male compatriots decide who is the most attractive. Well, there were a couple who were voting for Josh Davies. Okay. And a couple who were voting for Chase Anderson. And then there was one vote for Lorenzo Cain. So no, I, I thought someone would say Yelich, I guess not, or Braun. I, I don't know. Don't know. I, I was just kind of at, at one point after a few minutes, I thought, huh, is this what you guys talk about when if this is what you talk about when we're here? What do you talk about when the rest <laughs> of us are, are not here? Exactly. But it was it's like, huh. All right. Well, that was that was kind of an interesting well, welcome thing. Welcome back. Well, yeah, absolutely. It's like, all right. Now, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll speculate about that. All right. By the way, um, this is my first day back. I'm going to lecture for a minute. And, and so th- this is in the category, if I can do it, anyone can. And this is just a, a serious thing for a, a couple minutes. Uh, yesterday, I was not on vacation. I had a medical procedure. I had a colonoscopy. And uh, this is the, I'm embarrassed to admit this, at my advanced age, this is the first time I had done it. And, you know, I, I and, and the reason I did it was because, um, not to, they, they thought that there was any sort of problem, but because, you know, every time I got this notice, it's time to see your doctor. I had, you're overdue for a colonoscopy, you know, long overdue. And my doctor was on my back and my lovely wife, who has decided she wants to spend the rest of her life with me and doesn't want me going anywhere quick. She she was saying, you got to have this done. And my brother and my very, very close friend, Evan, everyone say, it's time for you to do this. So finally... I, I keep saying to doctors, I get it, I'm not stupid, and they keep saying, okay, prove it. So I, I had scheduled this, and, and yesterday I, I went and had my colonoscopy, and I, I will tell you, and the reason I start off the program with this is it, it, it came back all clear. I, I you know, lear, learned for sure that I'm colon cancer-free, number one, and number two, I had lots of time Sunday night to uh, during the prep to finish my book on Franklin Roosevelt. So I, I bring this up only because if I can do it, anybody can. And it is something that saves people's lives because if if there is something going on and they find it and they catch it early, it can make a huge difference. So if you are like me and either you're the one that has been stalling this procedure or you have a loved one that has been stalling this procedure, keep on him or her because it really 
it's not that bad. I mean, it it just it's you know you got to watch what you eat for a couple days beforehand, and then you know you have to drink all this stuff, and it keeps you awake a good portion of the night before. But the procedure itself. Um, folks at Freighter could not have been better, and they knock you out, and you know you don't don't feel anything, you don't remember anything, and then you know. So I walk away at you know eleven. I wake up at eleven thirty yesterday morning, and it's they're like, okay, well, you know, now we just have to run one, one minor test, and that'll tell you whether you got to do this in five years or ten years or whatever. So bottom line is, if I can do it, anyone can, and um, I fully admit that I was dumb in not doing it a lot sooner. Uh, my numbers come back. Mine comes back perfectly, uh, you know, essentially you know, problem-free. So that's good. Um, but you have that peace of mind of knowing that. So I'm going to get off my soapbox now. But don't do as I did. Do as I say. Um, if you if you've been stalling this for whatever reason, or I, I know a lot of times, you know, ladies, you guys tend to be reluctant to do this. And a lot of times, just like with me, the impetus comes from you to encourage the guys to do it. So it does save lives because truth be told, if if they catch something, you know, you want to catch it early so they can deal with it. So if I can do it, anybody can. So that's where I was yesterday. Before that... And I wanted to send a special shout out out to my friends up in Seymour, Seymour, Wisconsin. Is and I, if you follow me on Twitter, actually we have a lot of really cool pictures. This is what I did Friday after the show, and on Saturday we came back Saturday night. Um, Seymour, Wisconsin, is about out oh, twenty miles, you know, west of, of Green Bay. It's a wonderful little community. It is the home of the hamburger. They trace the start of the hamburger to Hamburger Charlie um, in 18, like 85 or something. And on over the weekend, they have Hamburger Fest. Now, the reason I'm hooked up with Seymour is because my son-in-law, he, he's from Seymour originally, lives down here now. And his parents, my friends Jim and Nancy, they've been in Seymour for like 50 years. And they're very involved with, with Hamburger Fest. So we had my wife had always wanted to go up there. And this is the year we did it. So we, we drove up there Friday night. They have this giant balloon thing. They must have had like a dozen hot air balloons and grew. We wrote, Fran and I got a ride in a hot air balloon. So they took us. I'd never been up in a hot air balloon before, and it was incredibly cool. They took us up in the hot air balloon, and we've got, if you follow me on Twitter, at Jeff Wagner 620 we've got pictures of... Uh, Pictures of us going up in the balloon and up in the balloon and then coming down in the balloon. It was very, very cool. And Saturday was their, their big hamburger fest. And it was it was classic Americana. Seymour's like three or 4,000 people, and they had like 10,000 people in for hamburger fest. This huge parade, it had like the UW marching band that was there. Really cool. And then everybody goes over to the grounds. And my son-in-law and friends, they're some of the people who are responsible for um, – who are responsible for cooking the hamburger. They make a 250-pound hamburger, and they start cooking like at 8 in the morning, and then it's done by 4 o'clock, and then they cut it up and they serve it. It's just... And so, you know, we were hanging out, but there's a number of pictures of us, Fran and I and myself, as we're, you know, taking in Hamburger Fest. And it was just an absolute, total blast. My favorite picture that is posted on Twitter... If you are a regular listener, you know that I'm a, I'm a big fan of I'm a big fan of big boys. You know that like the old big boy hamburgers. They have a perfect big boy statue. 
that stands about four and a half feet tall. And they have a hamburger museum. It's in the hamburger museum, except for Hamburger Fest, they bring it outside. So it's about four and a half feet tall. It is perfect. And there is a photograph. There's photographs of Fran and I outside the statue of Hamburger Charlie and stuff. But my favorite one is me next to the big boy statue. True story. I found the people that run the Hamburger Museum. I tried to buy. I tried to buy the big boy statue. And I mean... I, I was I was prepared because if you're a regular listener to this program, you know that I've always wanted one of those big ones. And I was thinking, oh, this would look great. I don't know where I was thinking it would look great. But I mean, this is this huge statue of this, and I tried to buy it. And I actually, I made a serious offer on, on this thing of what would be stupid money. They said, nope, it's part of the museum. They weren't interested in selling it. Um, my lovely wife was extremely thankful that <laughs> they turned me down. I admit, though, I'm, I'm still kind of bummed. So Hamburger Fest for all our friends in Seymour. And if you ever get a chance, they do it every year. And, and you want just classic small-town Americana, I would say do it. And if you want to see some of the photos, including me and the big boy, um, 414. So uh, You can check it out at, uh, at Jeff Wagner 620 on Twitter. All right, let me take a very quick break. When we come back, we're going to get into the program. Lots of stuff to talk about, local, state, national things, serious stuff, fun stuff. We're going to move through topics quickly because, well, there's just a lot of stuff on the plate today. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So, Gru, somebody asks uh, on uh, the text line, well, okay, so how does a colonoscopy go with Hamburger Fest? Well, this, this, it doesn't, which is why on Saturday I didn't eat any of the giant hamburger. That's why I committed to going back next year, because I want some of the giant hamburger, because, no, I was, uh, no, fried foods and that procedure do not necessarily go along with each other, but... Um, but get your colonoscopies. Don't be silly. Don't be dumb. Don't do what I did and delay years. It's just it does not. It's not that bad a procedure. We want you to be safe. We want you to have a long life, and we want you listening for a long time. All right. The Dodge County Sheriff Dale Schmidt makes news late last week by announcing a new policy. Um, what they are going to start doing is they are going to start posting pictures of people who are arrested, not convicted, but arrested for drunk driving, they are going to put them up on social media. So they say, here's what we're going to do. We're going to put them up on Facebook, et cetera, et cetera. Um, We already publish the names, but now what we're going to do is, you know, we're going to use social media, and no later than August 31st, anybody that we arrest for drunk driving, we're putting their pictures up on presumably Facebook. I have no problem with this at all. 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, again, what might make this controversial is the fact that um, they are not waiting till people are convicted. Their position is, hey, who gets arrested, who gets charged with OWI um, is, is a public record. You know, that's why, I mean, local papers, the local papers make a whole bunch of money by publishing the lists of, you know, who's been arrested because everybody wants to read them and see, you know, whether the neighbor's been busted for something or whether the neighbor's kid's been busted for something. So what Dodge County is saying is that they have an epidemic of drunk driving. Last year, they arrested 214 people for drunk driving. So far this year, they have 119 arrests. So, I mean, it, it's running comparably. So what they're upfront about is they admit it's public shaming. 
So you will presumably be able to go to the Dodge County Facebook page and you will be able to see the photographs, the booking pictures, presumably, of friends, neighbors, acquaintances, other people in the community who have been arrested for OWI. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. Is this unfair? Is this form of public shaming going too far? Or is this one of the appropriate type of things? 414-799-1620. My answer is no, I don't have a problem with it. I have a text starting off. You shouldn't be posting any of that. Everything should have a disclaimer saying you're innocent until proven guilty. Well, okay. I I'm, I'm sure they will put up a disclaimer saying, all right, you know, keep in mind there's a presumption of, of innocence. But the bottom line is, I guess I look at this and I say, all right, it is a public record. When somebody is charged with a crime, all right, a courthouse reporter can go there and say, hey, you know, there's been a charge. There's been somebody that is arrested on this. Is this really any different? Once it's made public, you know, what? why shouldn't? The Dodge County Sheriff exploit this. And yes, I'm going to say exploit. That's what they're doing. Yes, they are trying to shame people into doing this. And they're trying to make people think twice before they have too much to drink and get behind the wheel of a car. I have no issue with this at all. Let's start with Mark, who is calling us from Florida. Hi, Mark. Hey, Jeff. I've uh, down here for a while, usually calling here from Wisconsin. But I had to call on this because I know some personal uh, people where this has happened to. Usually, I agree with Dodge County or any other police department, and you usually by the time that these people are actually arrested for drunk driving, they've already run them through several tests. The conviction rate on them is probably 95% or better. And in their own media, in their own where they some a lot of these people tend to hang out, social media, they're being shamed. Maybe that's what it takes before they kill somebody on the highway. Well, right. I guess that that's the idea. I think that there needs to be some element of shaming. You know, there's some there's Mark. You know, there's some states that when you're convicted of drunk driving, you get a special driver's license. You know, a special color, I mean, a special license plate. So you know, a different color or something. So everybody can look at it and look at the car, and they can say, "Oh, that that car was involved in a drunk driving incident." And people say, "Oh, that's not fair. You're shaming them." To which I say, "So what?" I mean, we're where if the idea is to stop people from having too much booze and getting behind the wheel of the car and almost killing somebody, why don't we uh, introduce the element of shame? we got to try something else. And now that we have these marijuana laws coming in where you may very well have twice the intoxicated people on the highway, maybe this is one of the techniques and routes we should go. I know. Thanks, God. Again, I, I agree. And keep in mind, it, it, it is, it's public information. You know, when you... When you get arrested, all right, they they take your booking photo and, you know, there's a record, there's a police report that is generated and that becomes a public record. Like I say, if there's a newspaper reporter or one of our radio reporters is hanging out and they want to go and they want to check it out, those are public records. So it's not as if they're invading privacy. And I guess I look at it and say, all right, if, if a newspaper reporter happens to be hanging out there and sees the booking photo and runs to his or her editor and they decide they want it to put it in the paper or um, gee, you know, we have one of our reporters down there, or a TV reporter, and they decide that they want to run with this. Well, it's a public record. Why shouldn't the Dodge County Sheriff do that? Now, I understand 
I mean, the flip side of the risk is, all right, maybe somebody is wrongfully charged. All right. At that case, I mean, I think that perhaps the Dodge County Sheriff, if that turns out to be the case, um, I think the Dodge County Sheriff maybe should delete the thing afterwards or something like that. But the reality is, you know, um, I believe that in general, if we're trying to discourage drunk driving, and I think we are, I have no problem with this at all, and I would actually like to see more counties take this approach. Let's be dis- let's be aggressive in trying to discourage people from doing that. And yes, maybe that means an element of public shaming. I'm cool with that. We're back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Back for more. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. We're back. WTMJ. This is Jeff Wagner. I, during the break, my producer was saying, okay, so uh, how, mu- how much did you offer to pay for that big boy statue? And you can see me in the big boy statue up in Seymour uh, at, at, on Twitter. It's at Jeff Wagner 620. I, I will keep that between ourselves. But they, you know, it, it would be in the category of, of perhaps stupid money. There, there's no question about it. it. Perhaps stupid money. But uh, no, I, I've been trying to buy one of these things forever, you know, and, and they, they go for a lot of money, you know, and, you know, especially ones that are in really good shape. And all the women in my life always keep saying, I hope they don't buy them. And so they, they give me little, like, bobbleheads and stuff. That was like Fran got me for Christmas, a big boy bobblehead. And it's on my desk, and I like it a lot. Don't get me wrong. I, I enjoy that. A couple of listeners have sent me big boy bobbleheads. It's just it's not the same as a five-foot big boy statue. But, you know, maybe someday. All right. If you, and I presume you will, if you decide to register your car, you know, in Wisconsin, you have to do it every year. There is a couple different fees that you will pay. First of all, there is the state registration fee, which historically has been 75 bucks, right? At least last year it was 75 bucks. Then on top of that, if you live in, for example, Milwaukee County, there's a registration fee on top of that. And if you live in the city of Milwaukee, you also pay extra for the privilege of, of registering your car and keeping your car in the city of Milwaukee. As part of this budget, What they have done is effective October 1st, the annual car registration fee has jumped from 75 bucks to 85 bucks. So it's gone up $10. On top of that, if you're going to title, if you buy a new car or you buy a used car and you're going to title that car, the title fee, that, that one time fee you pay, you know, for the title, that has increased Big time, sixty nine fifty. It's gone to one hundred and sixty four fifty. So the the vehicle registration fee, the annual one, that went up ten dollars to eighty five dollars for all of us. And like I say, you pay more if you live in Milwaukee County or the city of Milwaukee. But um, f- and the first time title fee has gone up substantially. You know, almost you know a little bit under two hundred percent. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We talk a lot about the condition of the roads. We talk a lot about, you know, how we can pay for them. Everybody complains, oh, there's potholes that are out there. Oh, we don't have enough construction. The road builders have a very, very powerful lobby, and they run ads against politicians who don't support unlimited building. All right, so there is this political thing. You have a new transportation secretary who was aligned with you know, a number of those groups who believe that you just can't spend enough money on roads because it serves to, again, benefit some of their interests. Well, as a start, right now, 
we're not raising our gasoline taxes yet. That might happen sometime in the future, but it's not happening yet. We've started by increasing the annual registration fee by $10 and increasing the licensing fee, the vehicle title fee, by 95. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, you know, I look, I, I don't believe in increased taxes unless and until you can demonstrate that there's no other alternative. I candidly am not convinced that we are at that point when it comes to road repairs. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that we don't have roads and infrastructure that need work. I'm not arguing that. I'm just not convinced that there's not a lot of waste um, still built into the DOT budget that if we did a better job of, I don't know, bidding and holding contractors' feet to the fire and not paying for unnecessary excesses, I'm not convinced that we don't necessarily have enough money to get that done. So that's my basic premise. But having said that, I guess a $10 increase in the registration fee that people have to pay for cars, and I should add a one-time, I guess an annual surcharge of $75 that apply to hybrid electric vehicles, I don't have a problem with that. I think it is an incremental way to approach it. And before we start talking about massive gas tax increases, I think this is a good first step. 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, would you rather see, all right, I guess you got two, it's really three choices. One is no increase at all. Two is, okay, let's modest increase in the vehicle registration fee that everybody has to pay every year, or three would be, I don't know, let's figure out a way to jack up the gas tax. Let's do toll roads, whatever. I think this is a good start. And this this comes from the perspective of somebody who isn't in a hurry to pay more money. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's start with Mike in Milwaukee. Mike, you're first. In a hurry to pay more money. Mike? Got to turn down your radio, Mike. Okay, sorry. 414-799-1620. You have to turn down your radio because we have this thing called a delay. And if you don't do that, you hear yourself seven or eight seconds later, and it makes you crazy, and it makes me crazier. 414-799-1620. I'm not a big fan of gas tax increases. I'm not a fan of tax increases in general. I I guess I don't mind paying 10 bucks more when I register my vehicle. To me, this is a good first step. Let's now see what the state does with the added money it's getting before we start looking at other alternatives. All right, John in Sheboygan. John, you're on WTMJ. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. I'm sorry. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I'm dri- I'm driving down the interstate, and I'm doing it safely because I have a no-hands uh, <laughs> uh, telephone on. We are glad to hear that. As I'm driving along and you're telling me about all these increases for Wisconsinites, I'm passing car after car with Illinois plates. Okay. And those guys are using our roads and highways, and they don't have to worry about paying money to take care of them. I still think a toll is the way to go. I really do. Okay. Now, you realize, of course, if you put up toll roads, that wouldn't just be able to apply to Illinois residents or Minnesota residents or Michigan residents. You would have to be paying that as well as you're driving down the highway, right? You got that. I I, I do understand that, and I do agree with that, but then maybe we can pay that toll instead of these 
uh, I, I'm just appalled by a hundred dollars uh, uh, increase in uh, in every time you buy a different or a new car. Huh. Well, I guess I I don't know. I mean, my I'm not sure how often the the average person you know buys the new car. I mean, my, I don't know. For me, it's every three, four, or five years. So yeah, I mean, right. do you like to pay the extra ninety five bucks every three or four or five years? No, but it's again, if it's three or four or five years, it's kind of amortized over that period of time. But okay, thanks. For, I mean, look, I, I think. I think toll roads are something that needs to be looked at, and I'm willing to, I, I'm I'm willing to be open to that. You'd need a waiver from the federal government, and candidly, well, I, I mean that would be a sea change in Wisconsin. I'd really have to see an honest to goodness breakdown to decide. Okay, what what are we going to do, and where's the money coming from with the toll roads? And then the question would be, all right, is the toll road going to be in addition to the registration fees? Is it going to be in addition, like it is in Illinois, to the gas tax? I mean, just because you pay toll roads doesn't mean you don't pay a gas tax. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Um, here's a text. Jeff, I would rather pay an extra $10 for registration fee than an increased gas tax every time I fill up. And I guess, see, I, I guess that's how I feel as well. I'd rather, I'd rather, you know, I'd rather pay the extra 10 bucks, you know, once a year. Now, I understand if you live, for example, in Milwaukee County or you live in the city of Milwaukee County, it's not just an extra 10 bucks. It's an extra 10 bucks on top of the extra 25 bucks on top of the extra 30 bucks or whatever it is. So it begins to get pricey. I also understand that this doesn't capture everybody because there are some people who just drive around with their cars not registered. But that's not the majority of people. Okay, we pick it up right there. October 1st, your annual registration fee goes up $10. Are you okay with this, or would you have preferred the legislature have done something different? Back with more in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Jeremy and Racine. Hi, Jeremy. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I, I'm okay with the ten dollar uh, increase if it, if it goes towards the interstate and, and, and highways, uh, state highways, and things like that. I, I'm, I'm okay with that. As far as gas, I, I'm a little skeptic on that because once it's in there, it, you know, who knows how high it will go. But I think a lot of people, when I talk to them, they don't really fully understand who pays for what and who's in charge of, of maintaining what. Sometimes. It's, Illinois people coming up and they say, yeah, they use our roads, but if they're using, they're driving the interstate, their tax dollars are, are going towards that interstate just the same as mine is. Maybe not to the same level because it's a, you know, they pay their state taxes there, but I'm more interested in what the, what the counties are doing and what are they doing with their money and are they spending it wisely to, to make sure that the infrastructure that they're in charge of is being maintained as well. Yeah, you yeah, see, Jeremy, I think that's a great question because, you know, one of the things that I would like, I, I, and I guess I don't know how you quantify this, but the city of Milwaukee has been charging people extra registration fees for years. Are the roads appreciably better in the city of Milwaukee than they were before they started getting this new money in? Milwaukee County is charging people, you know, more to register your car. Are the roads considerably better? I would love to see, you know, where is that money going? And is it really being put into the roads? And is it being spent in a great way? And I'm not sure I know the answer. Right, right. You know, it's it's about holding your your local government accountable with, with the funds that they are receiving for those types of infrastructure. 
spending and not buying some trolley in Milwaukee or a sport complex with your tax hours and you need uh, new roads put up. Right. No, I think, no, thanks. See, I, I think that's a fair thing. And that's one of the reasons why I started off this conversation by saying when it comes to taxes for the roads, I, I have serious questions about whether we are spending our money in the most efficient way possible and, and whether or not some of the projects that we are undertaking are being bid, for example, with the interest of the taxpayers in, in mind. Because I, I understand, you know, it costs stuff for the infrastructure, but then we have this idea that, oh, if we have more money to throw at something, that automatically means it's going to be better. If we generate an extra X number of million dollars, that means the roads are going to be improved. Well, okay, maybe that's going to be true, but, but maybe not. Because if you've got wasteful spending projects or, you know, you've got road builders that are in, uh, have, you know, some of the politicians or some of the people they're doing the bidding in their pockets. Well, okay, yes, you have more money, but it doesn't necessarily translate into quality. That's why I I think, okay, I've been hearing, I understand that lots of people are worked up about the roads and giant potholes, and I understand all that. So I think this is a good example of, of incrementalism. All right, let's see, let's generate some more money. And it's it's an extra ten dollars, all right. But if you could register your car, I, I don't think ten dollars is too much to ask for people. I think this is a, less of a hit than, for example, increasing the gas tax. Let's say let's say you bump it a dime, so you're talking about a dollar every time you fill up your tank. That would be a much more substantial tax increase. Let's see what the Department of Transportation, let's see what government does with this registration fee, and uh, then then let's make the decision as to where we go. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to, let's see, Dan in Milwaukee. Dan, you're on WTMJ. Hey, uh, thank you. Thank Hi, Dan. You what do you think? Uh, I agree quite a bit with what you just said um part of it also you're looking at is you know everybody says let's make illinois people pay for the tolls you know and increase it that way right i don't know what they're looking to wash out with that because they're paying extra taxes if they buy the taxes once it's across the border you know buying the gas right uh and i guarantee you i travel from chicago to milwaukee every day that hundred dollars or even that ten dollars is not even close. So, I mean, putting toll roads up is not really the solution. And as you were saying, I don't know where all the money goes, and I don't know what's increased if you increase the gas tax by, you know, a nickel to a dime, uh, what that equates to. Well, I mean, let, let's picture it like yeah. Let, let, okay. Well, let's let's just kind of do the math. Let's say, for the sake of argument, that you have somebody, an average person, who maybe fills up their tank, you know, once once a week, just for the sake of argument, and you bump the gas tax. Let's make the math easy. You you bump the gas tax a dime, so ten gallons. Tanks are larger, I get it, but ten gallons a dime, that's an extra dollar a week. If you fill up once a week, fifty two weeks, that's an extra fifty two dollars a year. So that's a much a dime increase is a much more substantial tax increase than a ten dollar registration fee. And I guess before we go down that route, I'm just saying let's see what we do with this extra ten bucks before we start saying let's bring in a ton more money. Yeah, I agree to that. Yeah, okay. Where the money's going. Right. Oops. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to hit that button. I, that was exactly the wrong button. I apologize. Um, yeah. I, I guess that's 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 my only point on all this. All right. If the general consensus is we need more dough. 
Okay. Uh, all right. Fine. Let's let's give the Department of Transportation a little more dough, and let's end up seeing what they do with it. And again, one of my challenges would be to people who are in Milwaukee County or the city of Milwaukee. I'd love to have you hold your politicians accountable by saying, all right, we're paying all this extra stuff and the roads are still crappy. Where is where exactly is the money going? How are you spending it? I think that that's a very, very fair question to ask. Speaking of how are you spending money, there's a new proposal with what to do with the domes. And we've talked about this before, but there's a task force that's going to come out with a recommendation. We're going to talk about that in the next hour of the program. And if you want to watch the Brewers game when they play the Twins tomorrow afternoon, you want to watch it on TV, you're pretty much out of luck. You can always hear it here on WTMJ Radio, but we're going to talk about that. Lots more stuff coming up as well, including the fact that school started yesterday for some MPS students. I don't think that's a bad idea. That is all coming up. Don't go anywhere. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's great to be back. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Let me give you a warning. This is a PG-13 related topic. It is fascinating, but it's, um, it is somewhat adult. So, PG-13, I always do give a couple of seconds here if you're driving around in a car with some of those little pictures with big ears. Again, this is a, it's, it's, it's a difficult, but to me, a fascinating topic. All right. Gru, who's producing the show today. Do you know who Quintez Cephas is? Oh, he's the uh, player for the Badgers. The player for the Badgers, right. Quintez Cephas is a very, very good wide receiver for the Wisconsin Badgers. He played in 2016 and 2017, 13 starts at wide receiver, freshman year and his and his sophomore year. He did not play last year. He was suspended from the football team and ultimately expelled from school. Here's the story of Quintez Cephas. In April of 2018, so, you know, we're talking about, you know, a, a year and a half ago. He was accused of and ultimately charged with two counts of, let, let's cut to the chase, rape, sexual assault. What ended up happening, here, here's the deal, and this is going through the facts a little bit. Again, it's an adult sort of thing. He meets some women in a bar, and I'm going to kind of short circuit this whole thing. He meets a couple women in a bar. The three of them go back to his apartment together, and they have sex, him and the two women. Afterwards, one of the women says that she was sexually assaulted by him. The other one says, yeah, I think I was sexually assaulted by him, but I really, I I was drunk. I I have no recollection. I really don't have a great recollection of, of this. So the district attorney's office After these women come forward in the year of Me Too, they bring criminal charges against him. For his part, he says, well, yeah, these these women kind of picked me up in the bar. And, yes, they came back to my place. and, And, yes, the three of us had sex together, but this was purely consensual. You know, this wasn't sexual assault. This was consensual sex. And, as a matter of fact, one of the two women was the instigator of this. That's that's his defense. Uh, The matter 
it goes to trial. And so after these allegations come forward, he is, like I say, suspended immediately from the team, and he is um, expelled from the school. The case went to trial, what, a week and a half ago or so? Week-long trial. The women testified. The state puts on its evidence. He gets on the witness stand, and he testifies. He said, look, I didn't – yes, we, we had sex. I admit it. But, you know, this they, – they, I, I didn't think that they were too drunk to consent. This was just, you know, what happened. The jury returns a verdict of not guilty in 45 minutes. And let me give you some perspective as a recovering lawyer here. It, that That's – that's like a, a slam dunk one way or the other. I mean, you know, generally speaking, juries are normally, even with a, a quick, clear-cut verdict, normally it takes a couple hours to get to a verdict. But in this case, they agree. Apparently, one of the jurors said, yeah, n- there's not a single person that thought the state proved its case beyond a reasonable doubt. So the guy is now acquitted. So he's been found not guilty of the criminal charges. He, through his attorney, says, all right, he's applied to be reinstated. He wants he wants back in school and he wants back on the football team. Now, for its part, the, the head coach kind of says, well, you know, we'd, we'd, we'd love to have him back. A number of his teammates say, we'd love to have him back. The university is now being accused of slow walking this. They're saying, well, I mean, here's the deal. Just because he was found not guilty uh, of the criminal offense, you know, we have different standards. You know, there's a different standard of proof. You know, we don't have to believe he's guilty beyond a reasonable doubt, and we want all sorts of time to review this and look at the records, etc. His attorney is saying, oh, come on, the, the, UW, you have been following this. You know exactly what the story here is. He was found not guilty, and he should be reinstated immediately. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. I will tell you where I come down on this in just a couple minutes, but I, I am curious. Should he be let back into school? Should he be let back onto the football team? There's no question that this this happened. He met these two women in the bar. There's some question as to who was the instigator. You know, he says, you know, this was he says this was completely and totally consensual. I did not sexually assault these women. They came back to the room and he actually says like one was the instigator. He says, "We got back to my apartment. One took off her clothes, walked into my bedroom and invited me in, and then the other one followed." So he says, "Yeah, this happened. We had sex. I did not rape them." The district attorney charged them after one and then later the second woman said that they were sexually assaulted or were too drunk to know what they were doing. Jury wasn't buying any of that. All right, should he be let back on the team now that he has been found not guilty? 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 414-799-1620. Okay, what do you do? What does UW-Madison do with former Badgers wide receiver Quintez Cephas, who was expelled from school, kicked off the football team after he was charged with sexual assault of two women? Well, a week or so ago, he was, in 45 minutes, acquitted of those charges. Now, that doesn't mean, well, what it means is the jury decided the state was unable to prove him guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. His lawyers say, hey, he wants back in and he might want placement on the team. The university is saying, well, not so fast. We've got different standards. You know, we want to review all the transcripts, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, his lawyers are saying, hey, they're, they're slow walking this. He should be admitted right away. 
what do you think? 414-799-1620. Let's start with Zach in Waukesha. Zach, you're on WTMJ. Hey, thanks for having me on, Jeff. Hi, Zach. Uh, you know, it's, I mean, I know in a case like this, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's hard to prove, but if a jury of your peers think that you're innocent, I mean, that's kind of the highest, way of being I mean, in the United States, the university should just honor that. And, you know, it's it's kind of, I know this is a very touchy subject. No, it is, so, especially in the Me Too yeah. era. That's why I find this yeah. to be such an interesting conversation. Yeah. Sure. And I think, and I was, I was telling uh, your producer on the, on the before you answered it, you know, it's also kind of that he got suspended from the team. Was Who's he allowed he? to work out or anything? I know he was expelled from the school, but I know NFL and college, totally different. But in the NFL, you'll, you would have these guys, you know, because you got to support your players. Mm-hmm. And then, and, and you know, if it's the you get uh, found guilty, then you're they're off because you're found guilty. But you're not found guilty until a jury right. of your peers. Okay, so right, the way I understand this, Act, the, the decision right now is exclusively in the hands of the UW Chancellor. I mean, she's the one that gets to make this decision. Now, if if she makes a decision that they disagree with, they can sue her, and I'm sure they will. If you're the yeah. UW Chancellor, in light of all this, what do you do with the receive? What do you do with the guy? You let him back in school. Um, you let him. You let him back. You let him back in school, and you know it's a very high-profile case because he's a he's a football player. Right. But you know, on UWM campus, you don't think there's, you know, kids or college students, adults, they're all adults. You know, having drinks or three or four drinks and going back to someone's apartment and like having sex. I mean, the <laughs> law is. If you're drunk, you can't consent to sex. Right, and and obviously the jury, yeah, and obviously the jury rejected that. Okay, no, thanks to call four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. No, I mean that's, and again, what UW what UW is saying now is, well, there's a different standard. You know, we have an athletic code of conduct. Now, I guess my question becomes, you know, seriously. Um, you know, how how does that get applied? Because if it's going to be, well, he, he went back to the room and he had consensual sex with the, these two women. Now, that's that's tawdry. It's certainly nothing to be proud of. But, I mean, is that now going to be the basis for tossing people out? Do they want to say that they think the jury got it wrong and he actually did sexually assault them? Is the question, gee, if you have a woman who comes forward, and this is where it gets difficult, and says I was sexually assaulted, um, even though a jury rejects that, is that a basis for saying we don't want to do anything with the guy? That's you know we we want nothing to do with him. The allegation alone is enough to have him tossed out of school. This is you know th- this is where this becomes really tricky. Rick in Milwaukee. Rick, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Okay, what do you do if you're the UW Chancellor with this? Well, as I was telling Gru, if there's no academic reason why he would be ineligible for reinstatement to the school or reinstatement to the team, you got to let him back on. Okay. You know, poor judgment is not a crime. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, if the guy's got no other blemishes on his records. Right. You know, uh, actually, it's where do you go to get your reputation back after something like this? Well, and, right. And, and let's face it. I mean, he's damaged goods. I mean, there, there's no question about it. Okay. But what about the flip side? The argument is, okay, maybe the state couldn't prove him guilty beyond a reasonable doubt, but we still have an athletic code of conduct. And the fact that, you know, these women, these women made these allegations, we believe them, even if the state didn't prove it beyond a reasonable doubt. I mean, does that carry any weight? I'm not sure that it does. Uh, there would have to be something specific in the code of conduct against whatever he did in order to apply that. Um, right. And obviously, you know, 
like you said, jury came back in 45 minutes. It's pretty much a slam dunk. Uh, I wasn't in the courtroom, but I would assume that these two witnesses were completely, you know, not credible. And there's no reason why, you know, unless somebody can say, hey, you know, this guy did this, that he shouldn't be able to get his life back. Okay, good enough. Thanks, Nicole. Now, again, I, I, I don't... I mean, you got to understand that we we don't find people, and I understand this is people get confused about this. In the criminal justice system, we don't find people guilty or innocent. We find them guilty or not guilty, and and th- th- it's, it is kind of an important distinction. The state of Wisconsin, in this case, the DA's office, had the burden of proving somebody guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. Clearly, they failed in that burden to do that. Now, what UW is saying is we have different standards. You know, we don't have to believe him guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. We just have to, you know, be convinced that he violated this rule or or that rule. And at least right now, it appears the chancellor is kind of slow walking this. Because let's be honest, this is a political nightmare. It's just it's a nightmare. You let this guy back on the team and then you're going to have all sorts of, you know, activists that are saying, hey, this guy is a rapist. We don't care if what the jury said. He's a rapist and you've let him back out on this team. You know, what does that say about your team? The flip side is the guy is saying, hey, hey look, I, I was acquitted. I I denied I denied that, you know, anything untoward happened. Yes, we, we had sex together, but, you know, everybody consented to this. And, you know, I don't know why they're saying what they're saying, but it, it didn't happen that way. 414-799-1620. Leonard on the north side. Leonard, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, my, my first question was, is there a civil suit going forward in this case, or can a civil suit go forward in this case? A, a civil suit by who? By the alleged victims? By or the young lady, yes. My understanding is at this point in time, there is not a civil suit. Um, uh, from either of the young ladies, I, I don't think there's a reason why they couldn't bring a civil suit if they wanted to, although the fact that the guy's been acquitted makes it a lot more difficult as a practical matter. And- okay, so the, for me, you know, I always thought Madison was such a liberal school. We do not know this chancellor. She's not Donna Shalala. I don't have any, you know, recollection of any uh, decisions that she's made that makes her liberal in the middle or or conservative or whatever so it's kind of on her i would hope that she would uh find that the more positive thing to do is let the guy back in school unless a major civil suit goes against him and the school i don't see any way shape or form that they should not let him back on the elephant in the room is that he is african-american male and that you know to me, throws a little pepper in in the. Yeah. Uh, well, the, the other the other elephant in the room is we're in the Me Too era. You know, where where you know the the I. I mean, thanks yeah. to God. I mean, I mean that's the other elephant. I mean, that's the other elephant in the room where it's. Okay, you know, we're, we're in the Me Too era where if you bring him back on the team, you know, will people perceive that as, look, regardless of whether the state could prove him guilty beyond a reasonable doubt, you know, is, is this, are you turning your backs on victims of sexual assault if you let him in? Suzanne in Heartland. Suzanne, you're on WTMJ. Uh, hi. Yeah, those alleged victims in this case had their day in court, though. Yep. And that jury came back in 45 minutes, which was probably about how long it took for them to sign their names on that that acquittal sheet. Right. What, the question that you have to ask is what kind of investigation did the school and the team undertake 
before they decided to cut this kid from the team and expel him from school. They did that. It was a knee-jerk response because now, after how many years, a year and a half, two years, after this alleged incident or this thing that didn't even happen, you know? Well, clearly something happened between them. But, yeah, I mean, the issue was, did they consent or was it sexual assault? Yeah. Right. Well, now a jury's come back and said that it wasn't sexual assault. Right. And they came back pretty darn quick. Yep. So, so... Now the school says, no, we need to investigate it and decide what happened. They're telling us that they didn't investigate it or look into it at all when they decided to cut the kid from the team and expel him from school. The only civil suit that should go ahead should be the one that this kid brings against the school and the team for cutting him like that and cutting what could probably be a professional career. That's a civil suit. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that, Suzanne, because I think last fall his attorneys did bring a federal civil lawsuit against the, against the university for exactly that, and then they ended up withdrawing it um, probably because, you know, they wanted to see what the outcome of the criminal charge was. Now that he's been acquitted, I, I don't think there's any question, to your point, that if they don't allow him to come back, there's going to be a nasty lawsuit that's going to be brought against, you know, UW for this. So you'd let him back on the team. You'd let him back both back in school and back on the team. Absolutely. Yeah. No, thanks. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. I am. Um, I, I promised I would tell you where I come down on this. And, and look, th- I understand the po- I understand the politics. I understand the optics of it. But if if the bottom line is if the reason they suspended him from the team and expelled him was the criminal charges, the fact that he has been acquitted, even though I understand there's a different standard between rules violations and this, um, I, I think. I think there's a strong presumption that that you got to let him back on the team. I, I I just do, and I understand that's a difficult situation for UW, and I understand what the optics of this are, you know, and maybe they can try to find some other rule violation or something like that. Did he make a did he make a misstatement to investigators or things like that? But the bottom line of all this is, and, and there's there's some other there's some other details like. Um, you know, there's there's one like the roommate took a picture or something like that, and 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 you could find potential violations, perhaps of the athletic code. But the truth of the matter is, the real reason they suspended him and expelled him is because he was accused of sexual assault. Now that he's been acquitted of that, I think I think they got to let him back on the team as well. And I mean, I I don't. Look, I'm not proud of that. This is a mess for UW, but I think a lot of people are just going to feel it's going to be fundamentally unfair if having expelled him based on the criminal charges, once you're found not guilty of those criminal charges, if you don't try to give him a chance to make it right. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. Here's a story. It caught my attention over the weekend. Here's the headline. Woman, and it's not funny, but it's one of those where I'm thinking back as my days as a former prosecutor. You kind of, I'm just trying to picture making this argument to the jury. Headline says, woman charged in fatal shooting stabbing outside of a tavern. 40-year-old Milwaukee woman has been charged with second-degree reckless homicide and use of a dangerous weapon in the fatal shooting of a man outside a Northside Tavern August 4th. Gina Marie Johnson is accused of stabbing and shooting Markel Johnson. They're unclear 
whether or not the Johnsons were related or not. She's accused of stabbing and shooting Markel Johnson during an argument that started inside the Life Bar near 53rd Street in West Hampton and spilled out onto the street. A witness told police that the two had been arguing inside the tavern when they were told to leave. According to the criminal complaint, once outside, the argument escalated and the two squared off to fight. The complaint says Gina Johnson first stabbed Markel Johnson, then pulled a gun from her vehicle and shot him in the mouth. Huh. According to police, Gina Johnson admitted stabbing Johnson, but said she fired the gun to scare him away. Okay, now, Gru, who's producing the show today, you, you get to be, you're the prosecutor on this one. So that that's the story. Is there something that jumps out at you out of, of that fact scenario that I just laid out. Okay. I mean, it's a pretty crazy story okay, to begin okay, with. Okay, but right. But, but here's, here's what, if, if this is the prosecutor analysis. Okay, she, her story is, yes, I admit I stabbed him. Okay, I, I admit that, but I, I fired the gun. I was trying to scare him away. Okay, at the same time, where did she fire the gun? She shot him in the face. <laughs> Okay. I mean, now, I again, I it's not funny. It's not funny at all. I don't mean to minimize this, but all right. Normally, if you're firing to scare somebody away, you shoot in the. Now, you don't do that in general, but you you shoot in the air or something. She shot him point blank in the face. Okay, that's that's not exactly a warning shot. Now, I'm just. I, I don't know where this case is going to go. I'm just. I was struck when I'm reading this, thinking, okay, she fired the shot to scare him away, but she shot him in the mouth. All right. Now, I I don't know where this one's going, but it, my just general off-the-cuff impression is she she doesn't necessarily need a good lawyer. She needs a, a, a good jury or something like that because it's just I'm thinking, all right, that's not typically where you fire shots to try to scare somebody away. All right. The future is tomorrow. Are you ready for it? The Brewers. Now, here's the bottom line. You can listen to every one of the Milwaukee Brewers games here on WTMJ or on occasion, you know, we, we flip them over to our, our broadcast, our, my colleagues at, you know, 94.5 ESPN. But, you know, every Brewers game, including all the spring training games and any playoff games, you can hear it on the radio and you can hear it for free, right? Now, I know a lot of people, believe me, I know a lot of people listen to the games that way. The other thing is you can also watch the Brewers games. Now, there's a couple different ways that you can watch the Brewers games. You can pay for a subscription to, like, the MLB Baseball Network thing, and then you get the rights to stream it. So you can watch it, like, on your smart TV or you can watch it on your computer, etc. The way most people, though, watch the games, let's face it, is they they turn on whether they, they turn on their TVs and you know they subscribe to Fox Sports Wisconsin and so whether it's through the cable or through the dish or whatever um, or DirecTV they watch it over cable so it's not free to watch it because you have to have that package but that's the way most people watch it they watch it on TV tomorrow you will not be able to watch, you can hear the game here on 620 WTMJ, but you will not be able to watch the afternoon game between the Twins and the Brewers on what I'm going to call regular cable TV, Fox Sports Wisconsin. That is because 
That is because Major League Baseball, in an effort, I assume, to generate more revenue, like Major League Baseball needs more revenue, Major League Baseball has cut a deal with YouTube. Now, you might remember last year, Major League Baseball had a deal with Facebook. And remember, there were a handful of games, including some Brewer afternoon games, that weren't on TV. Instead, they, they were you had to log on to Facebook to watch the games. And I remember we, we had a topic about that when it first happened. This year, there's no deal with Facebook, but they have a deal with YouTube. So here's the deal. YouTube will be airing 13 Major League Baseball games during the second half of the season, including the one tomorrow between the Brewers and the Twins. The game can only be watched on the YouTube app. So what you do is um, you, you have to, you can watch it on your smartphone, you can watch it on your computer, or if you have a, a you, know, you know smart TV, you can watch it you know on on that. And what you have to do is you have to go to YouTube.com/mlb, um, or you know you can get the YouTube app. Um, you can also watch it directly on on YouTube TV, but YouTube TV. You, you need a subscription for it. That's something that you have to pay for to get. And, and some people have it. A lot of people don't. It's kind of like YouTube TV is kind of like Netflix in a way, something like that. You know, so the, but the bottom line is tomorrow's game, if you decide, hey, I want to watch this on Fox Sports, isn't going to happen because, again, it's only going to be available through this YouTube TV. Now, you, you can get it for free, but Unless you got a smart TV, you're not going to be able to watch it on your TV. You're going to be able to watch it on your phone. You're going to be able to watch it on your laptop. Um, you're going to be able to watch it presumably on your iPad. But otherwise, you're out of luck. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, I understand why Major League Baseball does this because they're looking for different revenue streams. And I think they're trying to figure, hey, you know, YouTube obviously wants to drive people to, you know, YouTube TV or to the apps, etc. And this is a way of getting people who might not otherwise have anything to do with YouTube TV or the YouTube app or anything like that. That's this is a way of getting people to try it out. And so maybe some people will will stop and will buy it. You know, that's I assume that that's, you know, what they're doing. I assume they're also selling advertising on things like that. But at the same time, for people who are used to saying, okay, I, it's an afternoon baseball game. I want to watch it on my regular TV. I don't have a smart TV. I don't have a smartphone. And if I did have a smartphone, I don't want to watch it on the phone. I want to sit down like I'm used to watching the vast majority of the games and watch it. Why can't I do it? Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, look, Major League Baseball is under no obligation, I guess. They can set their own rules. They're under no obligation to give us 162 games, for example, of the Brewers, you know, in the way we typically consume them. That said, and you're talking to somebody who, you know, I'm, I'm relatively computer savvy. I mean, I guess I, I, I could watch it if I want to go to that trouble. But I guess I continue to believe that this – this is fan unfriendly. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And my guess is 
for every person that goes to the trouble of saying, okay, I'm going to download the YouTube app, et cetera, et cetera, there's going to be probably 10 or 15 more that says, you know, a pox on your house. I'm just going to listen to the ball game on the radio like you should. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. All right. For those of you who are big-time baseball fans in general and particularly big-time Brewers fans, how much of a pain in the you-know-what is this going to be? And is this the wave of the future? Do you embrace this or... I don't know. Are they getting too cute by half? 414-799-1620. All right, Gru is lining up the calls. We discuss in just a moment. I understand for some people this might be the first time you're hearing it, but if you're planning on watching the ball game tomorrow afternoon on Fox Sports Wisconsin, it's not happening. Back to discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. See, now this isn't going to be a problem for me tomorrow because I'm going to be listening to the baseball game on the radio. I'm going tonight, but I'm going to be listening to the game tomorrow afternoon on the radio. But if you're used to just turning on Fox Sports Wisconsin and being able to watch the game, it's not going to happen. And I I suspect there's a lot of people who don't know about this. And when they go, hey, the Brewers are playing tomorrow afternoon and they turn on the game and they find it's not on, I suspect you're going to have some unhappy, unhappy campers because in order to watch it, it's only going to be on the YouTube network. So you're going to have to, I don't know, go to youtube.com slash MLB. Um, and you can watch it on your smart TV or you can watch it on your phone. But I think a lot of people are going to be unhappy tomorrow. Jason in Sheboygan. Jason, you're on WTMJ. Hey, good afternoon, Jeff. Hi, Jason. Um, first of all, number one is I feel really bad for my buddies who have Spectrum. They've been missing Brewer games for a long time. Yeah, my, a matter of fact, a, a very close friends of ours, uh, well, not, it's not Spectrum, it's uh, Dish. They got Dish, yeah, and there's yeah. the dispute with Dish, and the games haven't been on for a while. And yes, my friends John and Mary are not happy about that at all, so I'm with you. So yep. Maybe they can see it tomorrow, but um, I was talking to your uh, producer. producer yep. that, uh, here's my thing is, for whatever reason, I'm, be, I'm able to cast YouTube from my phone to my TV, so I'm happy. Right. Um, what I don't like is for the NFL, they do that same thing with the Yahoo a couple times last year. We could only watch on Yahoo. Um, I don't know if you right. Know no, that. no. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I yeah, I, I yes, sort of, kind. I, I quickly get into the, I, I quickly get into the weeds with this stuff, and you know, when I have a need, then I figure out how to do it. But yes, right. I know the NFL has its own deal with Yahoo. Right. But but I think it's kind of ridiculous, and that was just my point that I don't mind it personally, but um, I, I I think it's wrong. But yeah, well, I mean, I think I guess it's not really a question of right or wrong. I guess I, I mean I think obviously, okay, MLB is I get it. They're 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 trying to make as much money as possible. They have this expanded partnership with YouTube, so they're giving YouTube you know exclusive rights to televise you know certain games. I, I think. Candidly, it's extremely fan unfriendly because my guess is, like I say, there's a lot of people who are going to be really, really surprised and unhappy that they're not able to get the game. Now, there's no obligation. I mean, the Brewers, and this is, this is MLB. This is not necessarily the Brewers, but you know, Major League Baseball doesn't have an obligation to allow us to watch all 162 games. I mean, they can cut these different sort of deals and it's true. It is available. I just think that for whatever money they're going to end up getting, it's not necessarily going to be worth all all the bad feelings that they're going to generate from people who haven't been able to watch this. Mike in Sheboygan. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. 
Hey, Jeff. Hi, Mike. Uh, so I cut, I cut the uh, cable cord several years ago because as a family, we just really weren't watching right. uh, ca- all the things on cable TV, the, with the one exception being uh, Brewers games. Right. I mean, that was a big sacrifice. Got the digital antenna for our home, so that works great for everything broadcast. But um, what I think is really fan-friendly is to not have these games on broadcast stations where everybody can watch it. I mean, you want to build a fan following, you put it on, uh, I think when I was growing up, it was Channel 18, the independent network. Right. Um, I think what's the, the thing that I struggle with the most is that I signed up for Sling TV about three months ago. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Thinking you might be able to watch the Brewers game, and that's not happening now, yeah. Well, it, was, it, it did. I mean, for, for just about three months, right. we were able to watch, and I paid my, I think it was a promotion, 26 bucks a month or something like that. But really, on Sling TV, all we were watching were Brewers games, and it was fantastic. But, you know, this is all about money anyway. It's what Fox Sports wants to charge Sling and what, um, you know, being ruled by cable. I think it's wonderful that for one game, I have the opportunity to watch something that's not going to cost me anything that I can just, uh, an afternoon game, I can hook up to the YouTube. So I think it's a good thing for fans. Well, I th- for some fans, I mean, thanks to call. My, my guess is the vast majority of fans are going to go, wait, who, who don't who aren't as interconnected as, as you sound like you are. Okay, I've got it. You're, you are provided incorrect information regarding what is needed to watch YouTube TV. You stated you need a smart TV. Well, you, you do need a smart TV. Um, but he says a Roku device will connect to any TV and then feed you the via that connection. Yes, if you if you want to go out and buy a Roku device. But for the Roku device, you still need to be, like my Roku device, I still need to be connected to the, um, I still need to be connected to, to have a deal with, like, in my case, it's Spectrum Cable and all. So, yes, there, there's ways that you can do it. But the bottom line of all this is you need to figure out a way to access YouTube TV. And if you're not able to do that, you're not able to watch the game. So at least if you're really into watching the game tomorrow, um, you, you need to make some preparations in advance because if you just go and flick on the television at one fifteen and you expect to see first pitch, it's not going to happen. Don't worry, though. Like I say, all you have to do is you know turn on the radio and Jeff and Bob will be there and we'll bring you every pitch. It's one fifty six. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Let's be real blunt here. I toss their sorry butts off the team. Okay. Crew is producing the show today. Do you know who Race Imboden is? You have no clue who Race Imboden is. Okay, well, until I knew the story, I didn't know that either. Um, do you have any idea who Gwen Berry is? No. You don't know that either? Well, no, no problem, because I didn't know that either. Gwen Berry is a female. She is an American hammer thrower. Okay, so she competes, I guess, in track and field. She throws a hammer. Race Imboden is a former Olympic fencing medalist you know fencing with the the swords and stuff like that okay so here is why i am mentioning the names gwen berry and race imboden last week there were they were competing in their various categories for the u.s team in the pan-american games all right race imboden 
um, finished third. Let's see. He um, he won the bronze medal in the individual men's foil. That would be, again, fencing event. And then he took gold in the team competition with two of his teammates. Uh, American hammer thrower Gwen Berry, she won the gold medal. All right, so this becomes a controversy. that This competition was in Lima, Peru, because when they stood on the podium, for example, when Race Imboden was on the podium with his two fellow competitors, they won the gold medal in the team. As they are playing the national anthem, what does he do? He takes a knee. He says, this week I am honored to represent Team USA at the Pan American Games, taking home gold and bronze. My pride, however, has been cut short by the multiple shortcomings of the country I hold so dear to my heart. Racism, gun control, mistreatment of immigrants, and a president who spreads hate are at the top of a long list. So he decides he's standing on the podium during the presentation. They're playing the national anthem. He takes a knee. Uh, for her part, that was last Friday. On Saturday, Gwen Berry, the American hammer thrower, she decides that she is going to raise a fist during the playing of the Star-Spangled Banner. I assume that is something reminiscent of what the athletes did in 1968 at the Mexico City Games. All right. So now the question is, what what happens? Barry, for her part, says it's too important to not say anything. Something has to be said. If nothing is said, nothing will be done and nothing will be fixed and nothing will be changed. Okay. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. What should, what should the U.S. teams do? This is, you know, it's a matter under the jurisdiction of the U.S. Olympic Committee. And they now have to decide what, if any, punishment they are going to imply. My answer is toss them both off the team. This is not a First Amendment issue. Nobody, at least in my opinion, nobody is telling, you know, if this guy wants to take the Twitter and wants to say what he's going to say, he has, in my opinion, every right to do it. Same thing for the hammer thrower. However, here's here's what the U.S. Olympic Committee says. They said every athlete competing at the 2019 Pan American Games commits to terms of eligibility, including an agreement to refrain from demonstrations that are of a political nature. In this case... The race didn't adhere to the commitment he made to the organizing committee and the United States Olympic Committee. We respect his rights to express his viewpoints, but we are disappointed that he chose not to honor his commitment. Our leadership are reviewing what consequences may result. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think the consequence to this is clear. You toss him off the team and you bar him for... I don't know, competing in the Olympics the next time. It's not a question of, gee, does he have a right to express himself? It's that the rules are, when you sign up for this, you agree that you are not going to be using your position to make political statements, and that's clearly what he did by taking a knee. Like I say, if he wants to denounce President Trump or talk about how awful and racist this country is, fine, but not while he is engaging in team activities or winning an award. 414-799-1620, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And by the way, I think if the U.S. Olympic Committee were to make examples of him and the hammer thrower, 
right, what you do is you guarantee that this foolishness is going to stop. And yes, I say foolishness because you are representing this country in the sport. You want to denounce the country. You want to denounce President Trump. All right, go with God. I don't have a problem with that. But I do have a problem with it when you are representing the United States, when the rules say that you have agreed to say that you promise you're not going to make any political statements and you decide that you're going to go ahead and make a political statement. Am I missing something here? 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I think, candidly, it's time for the U.S. Olympic Committee. I don't think they have any choice but to put on their big boy pants and say, you know, we're not going to allow, you know, our activities to be co-opted by these athletes who want to use us as an opportunity to express their particular political views. All right, when you're on the podium... You stand at attention, you put your hand over your heart, and then if during the, you know, if afterwards you want to come back to this country and you want to, you know, do whatever interviews you want to do, that that's fine. But while you're competing for the team, you follow the rules. 414-799-1620, I'd boot them both off the team and I'd say, okay, you know, we're going to suspend you as a punishment. You're not competing in the next Olympics. We discuss in just a moment. 414-799-1620, that's how I would handle this. What would you do? If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 414-799-1620. Here's a text. Jeff, even as a liberal, I have to agree with this one, too. It sounds like they agreed to not be political, and they broke the rule. Yeah, the dispenser and the hammer thrower. They're competing for the U.S., at the Pan American Games, this is sanctioned by the U.S. Olympic Committee. The committee has a rule, and that is participants, as a condition of being on the team, you agree to refrain from demonstrations that are political in nature. And in this case, you get the guy that wears, wins the fencing medal. He decides to take a knee and denounce the country. Well, okay, if he wants to denounce the, the country for being racist and no gun control and Donald Trump, I don't have a problem with that. I have a problem with it, though, when he's on the podium getting the award. You know, he's there in his official capacity. And to me, it's real easy. You boot him off the team. Bill and Racine. Bill, you're on WTMJ. Oh, hi. Thanks for taking my call. Hi, Bill. Hi. They uh, they signed the contract, basically. And unless they can't read, you know, uh, they knew what they they should have either if that was a concern of theirs and they want to make a platform out of it, they should read the contract that says there's no doing this. Right. You do this and you're gone, you know, right. and that's the way it is. And it, this is not to be a platform for something else other. It's not to be a political platform. It's meant to be a sports platform. And if you're trying to make it into something other than what it is, that's their own issue. Well, well right, exactly. And, I, and like I say, I mean, I'm not trying to – impinge on their First Amendment rights to speech. You come back to this country, you want to do an interview on with ESPN or you want to do an interview you know, on, on YouTube or, or whatever or send out your tweets, that's fine. It's the fact that they chose to do this while they're on the podium representing this country. That's where I think it crosses the line. It's simply against the rules. Yeah, now what they're going to do is use it as a platform for, you know, this is un-American. Well, it's in the contract. Right, exactly. Well, thanks, for, and that's, that's, thanks for calling. It's like I say, Bill, it's one of the reasons why I think the U.S. Olympic Committee, and, and I, I think they got to come down on them like a ton of bricks, because if you don't, 
what's going to happen is next time the Olympics roll around, you're going to have, you know, every athlete, their brother, deciding that they're going to go out ahead and they're going to make all these political statements if there's no teeth in this particular rule. And, I mean, candidly, I mean, I, I think it's a bad look. I, I, repres- I respect the fright that the, the kid has to, you know, articulate whatever position he wants. But it's not the right time or the place. Here's a text, Jeff. Tommy Smith and John Carlos both lost their gold medals and were thrown off the U.S. team, and they never competed again. Right? Those were the two track and field guys at the Mexico City Olympics. I want to say in '68. The same thing should happen. That the the text continues. The same thing should happen to these two spoiled athletes. They're not playing for some private entity like um athlete like like athletes united they are representing the united states of america and should hold our flag and anthem in high esteem right um, that's it not only should they be banned from the olympics they should also go to whatever country they is better they're better than ours well see i'm not i'm I'm not that far that's that far if they want to denounce the president if they want to talk about how terrible they think this country is if they want to do their protests i i don't have a problem with that i do though in the context of again standing on the podium when their agreement for eligibility clearly says we're not going to make political statements. Alex in West Bend. Alex, you're in WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi. Hi, Alex. Uh, so, yeah, chiming in, I agree with you wholeheartedly about uh, they should be kicked off the team. Uh, we, I've been a coach for a pretty long time, and we had the same kind of uh, mentality. We would tell the kids that if they were in uniform – they were they were ambassadors for the team. They were it was more about it wasn't about them. It was about the team and the organization as a whole. So here in this scenario, it's not about them as individuals. It's about the entire country as a whole and them representing them. We would tell our kids if you if you're out of uniform and you want to act like an idiot, you are welcome to do so. But when you put that uniform on, there are rules and restrictions, and you act professionally and you hold yourself in the highest regard. And if you don't, it's grounds for removal from the team because you are not just an individual. You are part of the entire body. Right. So- and, and if you can't live with that... Well, well, that's that's fine. Find some other venue to, you know, participate in your skills or whatever. I mean, but that's fine. But right. The condition of and and look, that's just the real world, Alex. I mean, you know, we all operate under certain rules. Okay, this is what you have to do to do this job. This is what you have to do to do this other job. And if you don't follow those rules, well, okay, there's going to be consequences. And a lot of times that consequence is dismissal. Yes, I agree. No, thanks. I see. I just think this is. I think this is an easy one. Now, you know, maybe maybe you can come up with more difficult scenarios like, okay, what what exactly does it mean? Like the rule, the way I understand it is refraining from demonstrations that are political in nature. So, all right, change the facts a little. All right, the guy didn't take a knee during the national anthem protest. Instead, you know, he was at the Olympic Village and he gave an, an interview where it, it wavered into politics. All right, is that a basis for ta- for getting rid of him? I don't know. I'd have to look at exactly the way the rule is worded, et cetera, et cetera. But that's that's not the case here. This is clear. They were in uniform. They were on the medical medal on the medal stand. They were the national anthem was playing, and they decided to take a knee or raise a fist in an effort to. To make a political statement. This is a clear violation of their agreement. And yeah, I think that they should be booted off. And by the way, don't let the door hitch in the rump on your way out. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 
You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We're back, so very glad to have you with us. Um, kind of a history lesson here. There's a number of stories about what is going on in Hong Kong. Now, let me just give you a little bit of background on this because this is so interesting because for everybody that we have here in this country, like this this bozo who was on the U.S. fencing team who decided to take a knee. He called him bozo. Yeah, I called him a bozo. Take a knee during the playing of the national anthem at the Pan American Games in Lima. Okay, I, it just it's it's interesting to see how maybe the U.S. is viewed at other places in the world. Okay, Hong Kong has a population of about 7.3 million people. All right, Hong Kong is now sort of under the control of China. What happened is, I mean, Hong Kong was was considered to be a British colony until 1997. I mean, Hong Kong had a lease with Great Britain, and it was a British colony until 1997. At that point in time, China, which is, of course, on the mainland, Hainland, uh, you know, Hong Kong right off of, of the coast of China, China agreed to govern Hong Kong under what they called the principle of one country, two uh, systems. And what happened was they, they, they struck this deal where Hong Kong would be autonomous, has its own money, its own passports, its own immigration channels, and its own legal system. Um, but at the same time, it was kind of governed by China, but it was independent of China. And so there's a deal that that's going to be the case until 2045. Okay, you perhaps have seen the, the protests that are going on now. Hong Kong, people who live in Hong Kong are afraid that China, which is a nation of 1.3 billion people, that Hong Kong is in the process of of trying to grab China is is trying to sort of grab and, and take over Hong Kong. And so, for example, citizens in Hong Kong, they have all sorts of freedoms not enjoyed in communist mainland China. And the the population of Hong Kong is, all right, the Chinese are starting to take our rights away. And so you've probably seen the news accounts. There's been a number of protests. And, you know, China, you know, as a state-controlled communist, you know, country, they, they don't brook protest. They don't brook dissent. And so, you know, what's happened is they've been coming down hard on the protesters in Hong Kong. Well, over the weekend, there's been a whole series of, of additional protests. But the thing that struck me the most as I was looking at some of the pictures of this is that a number of the protesters who are out there, you know, on on behalf of Hong Kong, you know, protesting, you know, the, what they perceive to be a, a grab from China. It started when China passed a law which would allow them to essentially be able to extradite anybody they wanted from Hong Kong. In Hong Kong, the citizens, no, no, no our, our deal is we are separate. You can't just grab us and, and bring us to the mainland. Well, so that's been the battle. In any event, there's all these protests going on, and you know what the Hong Kong protesters are are carrying as a symbol of their desire to be free from communist rule? American flags. 
Yep. If you look at the, this has become the new protest symbol that people in Hong Kong who are protesting the totalitarian communist rule that is creeping in and and threatens to suck away their freedoms. They're they're carrying American flags. And I bring this up only because I understand in today's politically charged world, you have a lot of people saying, oh, this country is terrible. This country is awful. I'd rather live somewhere else. Well, nuts to that. The people that are saying that try to find a better place to live. Seriously. And if you want to look at people around the world who are fighting totalitarianism, who are looking for ways to be free, what symbol are they carrying in Hong Kong? They are carrying the American flag. They're not kneeling, you know, as they represent this country as a form of protest because the country is so terrible. They are carrying flags in the street as they are faced with riot control people because they appreciate their freedoms. They want to be free. They want to be like this country. And maybe for some of the people out there who, I don't know, don't think there's anything good going on in this country, maybe you could take a lesson from these protesters in Hong Kong who understand what the potential is when their freedom gets taken away. Just saying. Okay, here's one of my other stories. This is my this is my favorite classic California story. Because, I mean, California, as I've always believed, if, if the map of the U.S. was marbles and you picked them up, Every loose marble would end up in California, except for a couple that kind of stayed in Madison. But, all right, so this is the deal. California, of course, is, in some respects, people would say, well, it's the leader of innovative ideas. In more cases, I think California is the place where every kooky idea goes to kind of fester and take life. The San Francisco, for example, you know, now decided that they are outlawing natural gas. If you build a home, you can't have natural gas. So if you freeze during the summer or the winter, you know, too bad, you know, put up the solar panels or use the electric heat or whatever. Okay, so here's here's the problem in California and particularly in, okay, Sacramento, which is, um, again, Sacramento's state capital. They have rats. They have lots of rats. L.A., which is very, very open to let's have homeless people live on the streets and stuff. They've had a huge problem with rats. All right. There were so many rats scurrying around the California EPA office in Sacramento this summer that the agency had to close its outdoor playground to prevent children from getting sick. So the, the place, it's overrun with rats. Rats bring disease, all sorts of things. So there's so many rats that they have to, again, close down facilities because the rats are, in fact, taking over. So here's what the EPA does. In the face of this rat infestation, okay, group, quick test. You find you find rats in your house or your apartment. What do you do? Uh, number one, panic. Panic, right. That's call number one. somebody. Right. You call an exterminator. And you have the exterminator come in and, well, I guess you could have the exterminator, like, play the Pied Piper and try to, like, lure all the rats out and jump into Lake Michigan. But what? Well, you kill the rats. You, you, put out, you put out rat poison, you kill the rats, and then you get rid of them. That is what we do because I understand they're all God's creatures, but there is this food chain and they are rats. Okay, so what they, what they do in California is they do exactly that. The EPA comes out and they, they put rat poison out that kills the rats. I swear my hand is in the air. I'm not making this up. Democrats in Sacramento are now moving to ban second-generation rat poison. 
Because here, here, here's what's happened. The rats have become so numerous that they are starting to get immune to the old types of rat poison they use. So they've modified the formula, and now they have what they call second-generation rodenticides. Rodenticides? So it's stronger stuff that kills the rats that might have maintained an immunity to the first poison. Okay, so you might say to me, well, Jeff, this makes no sense to me. All right, they're rats. Why would you ban stuff that kills the rats? Here's where you find the California thinking. All right, this is what they say. Okay, rats, rats get eaten by other predators, like raptors, bobcats, and foxes. They regularly eat rats as part of their diet. So what happens is, I'm not making this up, if you have a fox or a bobcat or a raptor that eats a rat that has had some of this like new generation poison in its system, well, what could happen is, the raptor, bobcat, or fox could become sick. So now what we have to do is we have to ban the rodenticides, the stuff that works to kill the rats, because other things that eat the rats might get sick if they eat a rat that's ingested this. I swear I cannot make this up. So they've decided we would rather have rats running around our playgrounds, etc., then allow people to put poison out there that would kill the rats. Huh. I, I just, you cannot make this type of stuff up. At some point in time, look, like I say, I understand that all, you know, rats are God's creatures too, but I'm sorry if I've got rats that are crawling around in my house. Number one, if I'm a tenant, I'm moving. But number two, you know, if I find that happening, I'm killing the rats. And in California, you're not going to be allowed to poison the rats because something else might eat the rats and that might get sick. So we've decided we're going to live with the rats. I don't think so. It does make you want to move to Sacramento, though, doesn't it? This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We're back. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. The uh, stock market at one point in time this morning was up. For, Dow Jones was up 450 points. It's uh, largely maintained that right now, 10 minutes or so before the closing. It's at uh, it's up 360 points, which is after a huge loss a week ago and some up and down days. That's pretty good. The Nasdaq up about 150, and it looks like they're going to maintain that as we move into the close. So if you got money in the stock market, you know, today was a good day. Um, part of the reason that the stock market has, of course, been so, had so many fluctuations is just the, the political news of the day. Is there going to be, you know, a trade war? Might we back off the trade war with China? Those things. Today, the news is relatively good. The president announcing that he's going to delay tariffs in certain areas till December. Whether that happens or not, who knows? Bottom line is the market's reacting positively to that. And like I say, as right now, the Dow's up 361 points. I, I do want to talk about school openings, but I don't have enough time left in the program to do it justice. Uh, MPS, all the MPS high schools started yesterday. And uh, in total, 43 out of the 160 MPS schools are open. I know for many people, you know, it's uh, the, the general state law and the general rule is you can't start before September 1st. There are, you know, exceptions that local school boards can carve out. But all the MPS students are now back in school, and it's, you know, not even August 15th. 
a lot of controversy about that. I have a very strong take, and we will discuss, but we'll probably talk about it in tomorrow's program. Here's something I find to be incredibly, incredibly interesting. In order to keep up with the requirements that cars continue to be get more and more gas mileage, you know, the EPA has all these rules that they have, one of the things that were, was really – it was the real trend in cars for a number of years was the hybrid car. You know, the car that it ran on battery power, and then at a certain point, you know, the engine kicked in and you used the gasoline engine. And that was the big thing, the hybrids. And you got incredible fuel economy from that. Interestingly enough, GM and Volkswagen have now announced that they are, they're getting out of the hybrid business. They are, they're not going to make hybrids anymore. Now, in contrast, Toyota and Ford plan to continue to make hybrids. Now, you might say, well, Jeff, that doesn't make any sense. Why are GNM, GM and Volkswagen getting out of the hybrid business? And it's because they've decided the future is all electric vehicles. So their, their thinking is, and this is how they express it, why put money into continuing to develop this technology that's out there, the hybrids, when the future is going to be all electric? And so they're thinking, this is GM and Volkswagen, is people don't want to buy hybrids anymore. We need to spend all our money on trying to, again, create an alternative to the internal combustion engine, and, and let's, let's do it on all electric because that's what people want. I guess I question that because I understand why people you know, want to get all the added mileage that you get from a hybrid. Hybrids make sense to me. Now, I don't own one. And I don't think I would own one, but at least they make sense to me. The electric cars, and I've made this point before, and I understand that there's some of you, maybe you're driving a Tesla and you think it's the greatest thing in the world. I still don't get that. The idea that at least right now, you know, you're, it takes forever as a large, if you can find a place to recharge them and you're lucky enough to get there, it still takes forever to recharge them. The range on the car is limited. Um, and unless you find the charging stations, you have to plan ahead, and you have all the other variables like, oh, gee, I've hit bad weather, um, so I have to run the battery more because, you know, it's, it's harder. i got to use all these different systems. I guess I just don't think electrics are ready for prime time, and I understand that some of you buy them and you love them, and that's fine, but to me, it's a niche. The hybrid technology, on the other hand, to me, it, it makes a lot more sense because you get a lot more gas mileage there. You still have the interaction of the battery and the electric. The, you've got the, the battery-powered engine, and you've got the gas engine. I think that there's still a huge market, or there will be, moving forward for hybrids. GM and Volkswagen say no, so they're saying goodbye to hybrid vehicles. I really question whether or not they are making a huge mistake because, like I say, I just don't think the vast majority of consumers are ready or even close to ready to pull the trigger on buying an electric vehicle. GM and Volkswagen, I mean, presumably they know what they're doing. Ford and Toyota, though, they disagree. They're going to continue to make hybrids. So if you're not ready for electric, you can still buy a hybrid. It's just not going to be a GM and it's not going to be a VW. I think it's a decision that, at least in the short term, they're going to come to regret. All right, when we come back, John, Melissa, Greg, we'll find out what they all have on their minds for Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Please stick around.